Welcome to Machine Learning, How the World Works. I want to talk about the electric sun. It becomes kind of a... a um, question about the... how the... Um, the chronosphere is created. So in the previous podcast, I talked about Birkeland currents. The Birkeland current is twisted pair, and it also has a current moving counterclockwise and clockwise at the same time. But just how does the Birkeland current from granules on the surface of the sun create the chronosphere? Well, let's say you have the current and on the surface of the sun we see granulars about 1,000 kilometers and the shape of the, like rice. And it creates, um, if the current is moving or the ion particle charges are moving, it can create a electromagnetic field. So the granules are evidence that there are Birkeland currents on the surface of the sun. And those currents are creating a magnetic field. Now when we put a magnetic field around the sun, and as particles are being emitted, which should be ions, charged particles, positive or negative, are hitting the magnetic field, it would then create a layer of plasma. It's much like the containment of a force field where you would have um, an electromagnetic field containing a plasma, um, plasma energy. And so you'd, you would have an energy source capable of creating that plasma. And uh, that containment then would be very hot. The size of the current sheet is determined by the current. So we have this Birkeland current, twisted pair, that's moving from the Milky Way to our sun. And the size of the current um, is determined by the electroconductivity of the plasma. And so... In the past, we've talked about the sun having a certain energy density. <clears throat> and so with, uh, if we were looking at the sun's surface, and it's 5,000 to 7,000 degrees Kelvin, and we're looking at plasma being highly conductive, um, the current then is moving through this current sheet. The higher conductivity means a larger current. And it would be like uh, looking at a battery on a light. As you increase the current, uh, the, the bulb would get brighter. The current sheet is the surface of the current. The current sheet is not a material object. It is the surface. If you visualize the current sheet moving through plasma, you can see that it's also a surface of constant magnetic field. And hence, you, you see this uh, magnetic field forming. And as the particles uh, being emitted from the sun hit that 
uh, magnetic field, it's going to create that plasma known as the chronosphere. If the particles, uh, flow of particles is slowed by magnetic force, the particles will have a pressure, and this is the pressure that provides the energy that heats the corona. Now, one of the first questions that we might ask as it relates to the sun is, well, if the sun is powered by Birkeland currents in space, what role does thermal nuclear processes in the sun play? If we calculated the sun <coughs> density and the amount of pressure and heat that would be required for the sun to uh, ignite a thermal nuclear process, the sun lacks 100 times the mass to ignite that process. And usually we, we talk of uh, thermonuclear fusion as being around the 100 million to 300 million degrees. So if the pressure at the center of the sun was 13 million degrees or maybe even 100 million degrees, it may be insufficient thermal energy and pressure to cause, to overcome the, the repulsion of positive charges. Therefore, the atoms would not get close enough, the hydrogen atoms would not get close enough to overcome uh, and fuse. So the second thing that we would then look for is uh, fusion funneling or quantum mechanical funneling, tunneling, which would overcome these energy barriers of repulsion. But if we were to look at that and make an analogy of a marble in a dish, the marble, as it rolled around in the dish, would not have enough momentum to reach the edge of that dish. And if the edge of the dish represented the point where fusion occurred, there would not be the enough marbles reaching the edge of the dish to create the number of collisions required for fusion. Um, another area to consider when looking at the sun in terms of fusion is the neutrino emission. So if we were looking at the sun in its uh, pulsation and periodicity, we would then start to try to measure um, and predict the period of about an hour to the steep density rise in the interior. So we're looking at that. If we're looking at proton to proton reactions, where it converts uh, four protons plus two electrons into helium, two neutrinos and six photons, then we would start to count uh, neutrino emissions on Earth. And, and, um, and from that count of the number of neutrinos, it would, uh, we could then 
predict or measure the number of proton-to-proton reactions. But the idea of fusion occurring deep in the center or the core of the sun is that the neutrinos would take anywhere between 100,000 years or a million years. I've heard the number million. Um, There's some people that think that it may be 100,000 years for the neutrinos to surface to the the sun. Neutrinos are are massless particles, so they pass through most of the matter. They're they're very small, and um, they can escape the sun at around the speed of, of light. So in calculating the thermal nuclear model, the sun would have to produce 1.8 to 10 to the 38 neutrinos per second. And as far as us on Earth, about 400 trillion neutrinos would pass through our body. So if you think of the neutrino emissions, it would be enormous. So their neutrino has three different types um, known as the electron, muon, and tau. And detecting those types of neutrinos would be important in measuring the P2P reaction. At lower energies, the electron type has a means of interacting with the mass and depends on the electron density, which isn't available to the muon and the tau types. Diligent study of the equations yield the intriguing possibility that in the neutrinos passage through the dense interior of the sun, some of the electron types could be changing into muons. And muons are the type that uh, will hit our atmosphere and largely due to the thermosphere and our atmosphere um, are are absorbed or bro- are, are uh, not allowed to hit to pass beyond that barrier. So the goal then would be to detect uh, the neutrons, the electrons, the tau, the muons. Um, and again, like muons are, are in the form of cosmic rays bombarding our upper atmosphere. And, they, and the cosmic rays then are producing muon neutrinos. The conversion rate is expected to fluctuate from day to night since the intervention of the Earth's mass between a detector on the night side and the solar source would be added to the conversion rate. So basically, neutrinos pass right through the Earth. <clears throat> most, most mass, the neutrinos will pass through as if it wasn't there. Okay, so electron-type neutrinos require electron interaction in the dense interior of the sun to turn into muon types. They can become tau types in the empty space and hence undetectable, but muon types achieve the same results inside the Earth's core. And so was the theory squared with the observation, but a huge amount of effort has been expended 
to understand uh, and find the the results. <clears throat> so there have been special observatories on Earth that provide this capability of detecting the three different neutrino types. And the confirmation of finding the three neutrino types has led science to believe that fusion reactions are occurring in the sun. But as I previously stated, the mass of the sun is not great enough to cause enough proton-to-proton reactions to explain all of the, the, um, the number of neutrinos that would need to leave the sun for fusion to be the power that was powering the sun. If the sun were indeed a, in a condition of mechanical equilibrium maintained to sustain the dissipation of internal generated thermal energy, then it might well be expected to end right there. The mechanism gives no obvious cause for anything more to happen beyond the photosphere. And unimpending radiation into space would probably afford the best means for getting rid of the photons finally emerging at the surface. Yet the photosphere forms merely the basis of an atmosphere extending for enormous distances and exhibition, exhibiting. Perhaps the most striking feature of the photosphere is its lumpy uh, rice grain structure. And that is the result of the Birkeland current. Instead of being uniform, bright, as might be expected, the surface appears to be made up of millions of highly luminous granules of hot plasma in the background of less luminous luminosity forming a network between them. The effect be, uh, being like looking down at closely packed fluffy, fluffy clouds. The granules average about 1,000 kilometers in diameter and come and go, splitting and merging with lifetimes in order of minutes. Bunny, budding granules sometimes appear to rise from below, pushing aside or replacing older ones. Otherwise, they show little lateral movement. The accepted explanation is that the granules, granules are the tops of convection current cells. When you talk about a convection current cell, it suggests convection is moving and the current it means that there's some sort of electric um, property associated with it, which provide the mechanism for conveying heat from its original origins deep in the sun. But what if the heat wasn't coming deep from within the sun, but was coming from current interacting with uh, the hydrogen causing these convection granules. The cool material then descends back between the rising columns, losing brilliance and appearing darker in comparison. Although seemingly consistent and straightforward, this view has the problem that at temperatures and densities involved, the motion expected would be violently turbulent and chaotic, and yet it isn't. It has a periodicity to it, 
and it has a structure to it, and it doesn't appear to be moving laterally. Each granule seems to fulfill a localized function constrained by forces that create barriers to lateral motion and diffusion. Another particularity is the photosphere's differential rotation, which varies from 25 days at the solar equator to 35 near the poles. Um, so then the next question is, is, well, is there something in nature that can provide these rising and, and, and uh, falling of these convection cells? And, they, and if you look in nature, their convections in fluids can be reproduced, structures of rising cells separated by descending flows uh, responsible for the solar granularity. Um, Conventional theory would predict an atmosphere above the photosphere only a few kilometers thick. Thick, Actually found, however, is the chromosphere, an extraordinary active region whose reddish glow is visible during solar eclipse. The inner chromosphere is ravaged by enormous short-lived jets of material called somewhat belittling spinnacles measuring hundreds of kilometers in diameter and towering thousands of feet high or kilometers high. And above those are found even greater twisting arcs of prominences and local distributive solar flares that can extend over 20,000 kilometers. So what is a solar flare? It's a disruption in the magnetic field of the sun. It's a weak point allowing the plasma to eject outward as the weak points are, are being exploited by the sun. The temperature of the chromosphere rises sharply with alt altitude. Beyond it lies the corona, an envelope of hot, rarefied gas reaching to an indefinite distance among the planets. The lower parts show a faint emission spectrum, excited atoms releasing excess energy, consistent with light scattered by electrons moving in the temperature of 1 to 2 million degrees Kelvin. Higher parts of the corona show absorption spectra of the background sunlight scattered by intervening atomic particles along with emission lines indicating the presence of very hot, tenuous gas. The corona behaves like a expanding gas, too hot to be bound by gravity to the sun. It provides the source of solar wind of particles, primarily, primarily protons flowing outward through the solar system into the stellar space. So, in essence, if we would go back to the sun center, 
temperature falls steeply towards the photosphere, forming the gradient along the energy flows outward. At the same time, temperature in the atmosphere falls steeply in the opposite direction. The two gradients produce a trough 6 to 4,000 Kelvin at the photosphere. Thermal energy should be trapped at this minimum until the trough is eliminated. Electric fields are potentially the biggest store of energy in the universe. Might they be the source, not the power? Uh, might they be the source? be considered the source. And perhaps stars aren't driven by thermal nuclear engines deep in their interiors at all. If you think of the sun as this enormous ball of hydrogen, um, we would have to recite things like hydrogen deuterium fusion to explain the reactions that are going on in the sun. Collisions under high temperature and pressure, fusing the hydrogen's atoms into helium. And that is called transmutation, uh, nucleus transmutation, meaning it's a form of like alchemy, where you take one element and make another. But what if the sun doesn't have a thermal nuclear heat source at its core? And perhaps it will not collapse smaller in size because the sun does not become a neutron star and collapse. The case for fusion involves rarely occurring reaction chains, which in turn require recourse to the quantum mechanical tunneling to ignite them. Dispensing with all this eliminates the need for temperatures compatible with thermal nuclear fusion. And at the lower temperatures we're talking about, not a lot of hydrogen would be ionized. And the sun, as it moves through the solar system, is going to pick up hydrogen as it moves along the way. So the, through its gravity, so the sun, if not powered by fusion, and it's not consuming um, a lot of hydrogen, would suggest that the sun will last much longer than predicted if it had a thermal nuclear fusion core. Um, why is the sun's density and pressure at the core not enough for fusion? Well, 
Cosmic evolution is not perfect and a deterministic process. Different types of stars may have been born with different values. However, the uncertainty in the value of its parameters is going to have a certain percentage. So, if solar evolution is not the explanation for the age of the sun and there's doubt whether or not thermal nuclear fusion is the source of energy for power of the sun. How old is the sun? And how can we determine that? So as we dispel this idea that planets um, cannot have to be formed around supernova and accretion disk uh, where at the edge of the, where the Big Bang occurred, it would suggest that we should not find exoplanets. But we found over a thousand exoplanets, and we're now with the James Webb Telescope, we're seeing the formation of new stars and what appears to be exoplanets. So the exoplanets can be formed from plasma also. And that is the paradox of the data is that it does not fit the model for solar evolution to explain what is happening in the data.